Hi, everybody. This is Jimmy DeYoung. Thanks for taking a moment to take a look at the book with us. I hold in my hand a five-hour, five-part series on the passion and prophecy. Now, of course, the passion is referring to the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In this audio series, I explain the connection between the passion of Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection, and what happened that week, and Bible prophecy. In this discussion, as we take a look at the book in the next few moments, we're going to talk about the place of the Passion. Where actually in Jerusalem was Jesus Christ crucified? There are several locations that have been suggested, but there's only one, according to the Bible, that is absolutely correct. Take a moment with us now, and let's take a look at the book, and we'll be back to tell you how you can get your copy of The Passion and Prophecy. Now, moving along in our thoughts on this subject of the place of the passion in prophecy. Two places. The passion, of course, just let me define that again if you weren't here last time. The passion is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We talked about the time that had had to take place. Now what about the place where it had to happen? The place. Two places have been mentioned by tradition. How did I say you determine the location, authenticity of it? The Bible, tradition, and archaeology. Tradition says there is a location, and, and my first point was the place, prophecy and places. Now let's look at the problems of the places. Number one, the holy sepulcher. If you've ever been to Israel, some of you have, you probably visited the holy sepulcher. It's a place that about 99 of 44, 100% of the archaeologists say is the spot of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But they're not truly basing it upon archaeological find. They're simply basing it upon tradition. Because in truth, from the time of the crucifixion of Christ, 30 A.D., until 326 A.D., almost 300 years that was not considered the place of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It was totally opposite of that, and I'll explain that in just a moment. Totally opposite of where the Holy Sepulchre is. How did it come to be the place? Well, a man named Constantine. Remember when the Roman Empire divided in the west and in the east, and the west, the headquarters was Rome, and the east, the headquarters was uh, Istanbul, we know it as today, it was called by Constantine, uh, the humble guy he was, Constantinople, <laughs> you know. And uh, so when he got there, having proclaimed that the whole world in the 4th century, the whole world was Christian, he now has to have the opportunity of authenticating the holy sites. And so in 326, Constantine is going to name the place of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know how he came to a decision on it? He never visited the spot. He had visions, dreams, and signs and wonders. You see, the fourth century was the beginning of a phenomenon that I think is totally satanic. Signs, wonders, 
and miracles. And it started to proliferate in the 4th century. Constantine, if you've studied anything about his life, was involved in many military battles. And all of these battles, he would call upon these powers with visions, signs, dreams, and wonders to give him the direction he should be involved militarily. Now, if you know the history, he was very, very um, successful in these military campaigns. Well, that's very, very possible because satanically, you can't, leaders of worlds, Daniel chapter 10, satanic angels, evil angels, influence leaders of nations. And they accomplish great tasks for nations. I'm, I'm talking about today. And here's Constantine relying upon evil, satanic influence to give him the, uh, the understanding of where the death, burial, and resurrection took place. Can you imagine having Satan give you, be your tour guide through the Holy Land? And here's Constantine doing it. He has a vision. He has a dream. And he says, the place is over there. By the way, you know what that place was? It was a shrine to the goddess Venus. And in fact, a temple of Venus was on the spot. You know who Venus was? The goddess of love. Love. And uh, by the way, I'm being a bit humorous, but forgive me. All kind of debauchery took place there. Immorality. Immorality. And it was, it was unbelievable, the immorality that took place there. And this temple of Venus, through a dream or a vision, gave Constantine the decision that that's the location of death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Then you know what he did? Got his mother, Helena. And he sent her to the Bible lands, to the holy city, to go and authenticate the place and build a church over this site helena comes in they go to look at the spot there's still a little question can constantine really authenticate the spot with a vision or a dream or a sign and so she goes down there and they dig up around the area and they find three pieces of wood that look like crosses must be the place but they're trying to figure out which one jesus hanged on and you know what they did? There was a sick lady living in the old city of Jerusalem. And so they took these three pieces of crosses, three separate ones, and they took it over to the lady. And as she lay in her sick bed, they put one on, nothing happened. They laid the other cross on, nothing happened. The third cross they laid on, she was healed miraculously. That had to be the cross of Jesus. By the way, you know how she found those crosses? A Jewish man, interesting name, named Judas. Not the original, that's 300 years after. Judas is the one who came to her and said, Helena, I can tell you this is the place for sure. <laughs> By the way, you know what Helena had done on the spot where the temple stood? Have you ever been to Jerusalem? If you, if you enter in the holy city, the old city, towards the temple mount at the dung gate, you know what dung is, of course, human refuge waste. You know why it's called the dung gate? Because Helena would have all the people bring their refuge 
and through the dung gate walk up onto the temple mount and where the holy of holies was they would lay all their trash lay all their human excrement and in fact i'm not trying to be vulgar she would tell the ladies to bring their monthly menstrual rags and lay them up on the spot you understand what was going on here desecrating the spot of the holy of holies where jesus will rule and reign from the messiah she wanted to desecrate it and what was she doing exactly opposite she was building a by the way you know why because they had replaced the jews as the promised chosen people that's what's wrong with that type of quote quote little c christianity replacement theology negated the promise that god gave to the jewish people thus you negate the jewish people and so helena follows through with her son constantine's vision of the spot where the holy sepulcher is as the spot of the death burial and resurrection of jesus christ now, i don't know about you i've been there there are three churches vying for control of the spot and i walk in there i hardly ever go there i don't take my tour groups there because i feel it's satanic I feel it's satanic. I can feel almost the presence of Satan as I walk into place. Well, of course, there was a temple of Venus there. Now, that's the first location, which is probably the number one selection of majority of the people, even the selection of the majority of Christendom. Second spot. By the way, that's the west. That's to the west of the Temple Mount. Second spot is Gordon's Calvary, or the garden tomb, that's the north of uh, Mount Moriah. In fact, when the man stands there, he shows you Mount Moriah, and he shows you that it was there that Herod dug out, quarried the stone, the limestone, and you, see, you can see, he says, well, see, you see right there, that's the end of the limestone, and it was dug out right here, and then he shows you a place called Galgotha, and it looks like the skull and so he says, this has to be basically the place. There's the skull. You can look and see the eye sockets, the nose. There's the skull. Well, let me just give you, a, and then he takes you into a garden where a cistern is, the third largest cistern in the city of Jerusalem. And he shows you a olive press, excuse me, a, uh, a, a wine press where they have made the wine in a garden or an orchard is what it is. And then he takes you to a cave that had been hewed out to look like a grave. Well, let me give you a couple of thoughts. And I'm not really trying so much to attack. I don't want to be so negative. I'm just telling you facts. I'm going to be positive in a moment. But let me tell you the negative aspect. That tomb has been proven by all archaeologists that I've ever talked to in the city of Jerusalem not to be a first century tomb. Doesn't go back to the first century. That's number one. Number two... That place called Golgotha, the place of the skull, prior to 200 years ago was not there. In fact, I can show you artist's rendition of that mountainside, and there's no skull there. Only in the last 200 years. And as you look at it, the man will say, I'm sorry, you can't quite see it. They have a picture that was taken about 30 years ago. I'm sorry, you can't quite see it as distinctly today because the rains have eroded. Well, you know, limestone will erode with rain, water dripping down it and running down it and everything else. And I say, if in 30 years it's almost been destroyed, what happens in 2,000 years? You know? 
And by the way, you don't even know what the word Golgotha, you know what Golgotha means? It doesn't mean the head place of a skull. It means the head. The word is used 38 times in the Old Testament. You know what it means in the Old Testament? They're using it in light of taking a census, counting heads. And so Golgotha means the place where they counted the heads in reality. Not necessarily the place of a skull. And I'll tell you where that place where they counted the heads in just a few moments. And so my problems with the place of the passion that we know today traditionally as the spots, Holy Sepulcher, Gordon's Calvary, or the Garden Tomb, have too many problems to, to, that concern me. But now, let me get positive. Let me pinpoint for you what I believe is the place where Jesus Christ was crucified and then talk about the significance of it. Indeed, the location of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is essential to understanding how the Passion worked to fulfill Bible prophecies from the ancient Jewish prophets. You've been listening to a section of an audio series, five hours, five different parts of it, entitled The Passion and Prophecy. It's a study that you need to have. We talk about the period of the Passion, the place of the Passion, the red heifer. How does the red heifer play into this significant end-time series, and the Song of Songs, that's the Song of Solomon, plus the Mount of Olives, a location essential for the return of Jesus Christ. All of this available on this series, The Passion and Prophecy. You can call our toll-free number if you'd like to get your copy of it. It's 877-674-3298. Once again, that number, 877-674-3298. It's toll-free from across America. Call right now to order your copy of The Passion and Prophecy. Or you can go to our website, www.prophecytoday.com, and make your order that way. Whichever way you decide to get your copy of The Passion and Prophecy, you need to have it so you can study it very, very soon. Thank you so very much for taking a few moments with us to take a look at the book. I'm sure that as you study with us this very important subject, you're going to realize how soon the return of Jesus Christ actually really is. In fact, the rapture, which is the first step in the second coming of Christ, could actually take place at any moment. And having said that, nothing left for me to say, except let's keep looking up until... 